Hello and welcome back to Beyond the INC, the podcasters that would never become members of a band that would have us as members. Today we welcome Jesse Quinn to Keane with a look back at his past work and his first interview since he started playing with the band. We'll talk you through exactly what the band did with their autumn off and we'll be telling you why you should expect the unexpected in 2011. That's all coming up on today's return of Beyond the Iron Sea. Today marked the day when Jesse Quinn was finally announced as the fourth member of Keen, more than three years after he first appeared with them. That first performance with the band was so momentous it was even marked by a commemorative DVD. Since then, he worked with them on Perfect Symmetry, sparking intrigue and innuendo about his role in the band. And he then helped them to tour that record, playing over a hundred shows worldwide, before they then went into the studio and produced the Night Train EP together. And don't forget, he also tempted Tim into the recording a side project with some of their friends, uh, the critically acclaimed but ultra-low-profile Mount Desolation. So basically, this is the next natural step for Jesse to be incorporated into the band that he's been playing with for three years now. However, if you've been living under a rock, you'll probably be asking the question, just who is Jesse Quinn? Jesse was born in the early 80s, which makes him younger than all of his bandmates, but older than us. Just. He has a sound pedigree in music, as his mother Charity was a well-known folk singer, and his father was a sound engineer. I think I once saw him when I was on the 207 bus. That's a good fact. Uh, And he's also played in all sorts of bands, including his own band, uh, Jesse Quinn and the Mets, the Papini Sisters backing band, The Wedding Guests, Unit On, and of course Mount Desolation. So, would you like now to hear from the man himself? Okay, so this was the first ever interview I believe he gave with us when we we, we basically doorstepped him after the Hundred Club. Uh, this is uh, he was very nice about it. Yeah, though. this is from October two thousand and eight. Uh, Jesse, how are you enjoying playing with Keen at the moment? Absolutely loving it, loving it. It's great. How did you come to play with them? Uh, it's a funny thing, really, because I was I actually started off being quite good friends with the crew and um, toured with Keen as production assistant, but then through getting to know them like that and their manager knew that I played with other people when they started looking for a bass player and someone to fill the slot it was kind of well I was the only person that knew the man could play so I kind of didn't have to be very good it was, <laughs> it was the only person available so it was, yeah it was, it was, I was pretty lucky Do you feel like you've been sort of really accepted by, by fans now? I do yeah I mean I, I, when I started doing it I, I was worried that I didn't want to sort of upset the ship at all and you know I, I wanted to take a make sure that I took a very sort of deliberate back seat and everything and didn't try and you know piss anyone off really um, but the Keen fans are such lovely people and you know that it didn't take long for them to start being you know for the sort of worries to subside and, and hopefully now that they've, everyone's heard the album they know that I'm not trying to sabotage the band or anything. <laughs> not trying to turn them into like the new Motorhead or something. Um, so yeah, they're, they're great, great people, the Keen fans. Great people. So Jesse's hard rock agenda. But how do the band's fans feel about the move? So we've been canvassing some opinion on the internet tonight just to see what people feel. Um, just a, a selection of comments. Sibylla Blommer says it was about bloody time. Jesse rocks. Uh, uh, Floriad 
Robles. Sorry, I'm not That's very a good. It's a fantastic name. Brilliant you, name. However you, you pronounce it. Uh, it's spelled F L O R Y E D. Amazing name. Uh, but she says is weird. I mean, Jesse is awesome, but it's weird. And then one of those funny smileys that I'm not quite sure how to interpret or pronounce. It's there basically it's the the X is where you screw your eyes up, and the D shows that you're really happy at the same time. That's a good comment. And finally, <laughs> um, this is probably my favourite one of all, from Asta. Genius is born, not paid. Although in this case, it's good that he gets paid too. So, that's what the internet is saying tonight. Well, how about you, Chris? I mean, what, what, do, you, uh, what do you feel about this? I mean, does, do you think it makes any difference? Actually, I don't think it does, <laughs> really. I mean... As we've said, you know, he's been playing with the band for, for years and years and years. He's been contributing. This is going to be his third big project now with the band, don't forget. Um, as well as playing every single live show for, for, for sort of three, four years. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not his first album by any means, obviously. You know, no, and, and he's... Symmetry and the EP and Mount Desolation. So, you know, they, they know him, they respect him. And that's what it's all about, I think. It's just about respect and, and making sure he's credited for what he's, you know, his input into the band, which is yeah. clearly quite significant. Yeah, but, and obviously, I guess he probably will get paid on a par with someone who's you know contributed and he'll also now have to share things like media uh, duty and yeah i mean previously although we know the songs have just been written by tim they've always been credited to chaplin hughes bryce oxley and i think just adding quinn in there it makes it fair really yeah a, a fair reflection of the, what he brings to the band and i think you also have to remember that um he's also you know a, another potentially different musical element because um, let's say that Jesse's been out listening to, uh, I don't know, something something that the rest of the band haven't. Let's say Jesse's been listening to nothing but the Dave Clark Five, and he comes in and gets the rest of the band into it. He's, uh, you know, another potential, um, you know, person who can take the band in a different direction or, you know, come up with an idea when he's in the studio and say, actually, well, no, that doesn't sound good, or how about you try this? Or And I think the three-piece was more out of necessity as well originally. I mean, obviously, there were four-piece for a very long time with Dom, and it yeah. makes sense playing live, and it just came that the, the, when Keen launched, they just had a lot of good songs, but no one to play bass, so it was out purely out of necessity rather than a, a, a deliberate choice. Yeah. So I think this is just, you know, it's worked out nicely for everyone, I think. Yeah, and I, I think the, you know, well... He's a great fit, and, and you know, that, I think that's really, really hard to find. So perhaps yeah, that's why it's taken definitely. so long and they haven't wanted to announce it straight away. But it's uh, great that he's on board. Yeah, so that is Jesse Quinn, who officially joined Keen today. So, with that big news out of the way, we thought we'd have a look back on Keane's year in 2010 and chat about what's going to be going on in 2011. We've sort of done a retrospective of the summer already, but we haven't yet talked about everything that's been going on since the summer tour. Well, with the exception of Mount Desolation, of course. Now, you know, it seems amazing to me that we've not recorded a podcast about Keane, solely Keane, um, since August, I think. I think everything else is Mount Desolation. Um, but then, on the face of it, it's all been very quiet. There's not been an awful lot for us to talk about. Yeah, I mean, the website has, of course, been ticking over with a few things, like Tom and Richard answering 50 questions for each from the fans. Yeah, I think it was a sort of like 10 questions per video, and they're pretty entertaining. Um, I think if you've not seen them, Chris got a mention for, I think, some drinking antics or um, something from back in 2004. Yeah, it was it wasn't as sort of hardcore as might have been suggested. Maybe maybe you just can't remember the hardcore bits. 
Anyway, we we also found out that Richard got married this year, so congratulations to Richard. Yeah, c- congratulations. And his wife. Yes. Um, there was also that long-running t-shirt competition. Some some great designs in there. Um, I think Chris's favourite was by someone called Corin. Is that right? Yeah, it was one with sort of musical instruments. Like the uh, I think the the key was made out of um, a Fender guitar, and it was, mm. it was just it just had all the these were keys with the. Yeah, and the drumsticks and things. It was it was just great, really kind of great design, I thought. Yeah, see, I wish there'd been more shirts with um, lyrics or excerpts from songs on instead of just the band's name over on every single T-shirt. And, I don't know, I, c- I could see in your face you're going to disagree with me, but I always think it's a little bit obvious to have a T-shirt with the band's name in bold on your chest. And... Um, like you know. you're a walking advertisement for Well the thing is I really love that old red shirt With the lightning clouds on Because it's a great print mm-hmm. um, If you know the band You can sort of You know the style of the, the print And it's got the, You know It's got the band name On the on the back at the top mm-hmm. um, But yeah Some some of my favourite band shirts Don't have the name of the band on More about the fashion Than, than as a statement <laughs> Of your love then Fair I enough, just, uh, Fair enough. I, th- I think you can have both Anyway, musically, um, Mount Desolation aside, we have barely heard a peep out of the band, with a couple of exceptions. Yeah, I mean, mainly there was the news that Tom fulfilled a boyhood dream. You mean he saw England win the Ashes in Australia, Chris? Well, he probably did that too, but uh, the dream we're thinking about is uh, the one involving Queen, with whom he sang at the Royal Albert Hall before Christmas. Uh, Would you like to hear a little sample? But by all means, Chris, by all means. It's a chance you have to check with love Oh yeah, love But now you say it's over And I'm falling apart Now, I've got to say, I I hate Queen. I really don't like Queen, but I, I don't mind that at all. Well, I mean, he he does it really, really well. I mean, I remember seeing them back in 2004, and everyone just immediately said, you know, other audience members just said, it's like Freddie Mercury. There were people who'd seen Queen in, in sort of the 80s and said, he's the best singer they've seen since then. Yeah. So it's, it's just, just an, an obvious A fit, natural really. progression, yeah. And I saw he got a standing ovation at the end of the, the show, which from hardened Queen fans is uh, probably saying something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it was also nice that he, he didn't do one of the songs, you know, one of the really obvious songs, which I think the fans probably would have appreciated even more. The fact that he did something from the catalogue. Yeah, on wheeling out under pressure again might have been a bit <laughs> <laughs> cheating, considering how much they've practised that one. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we also know that Keane did a sort of a private, corporate-type gig in Times Square. Um, footage of it popped up on YouTube at the end of last year. Um, I think it was sometime in October or November, maybe. must have been November because of the Matt Desolation tour, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think I think Richard uh, tweeted from New York a, a few times as well. If we'd done some research, we probably would have got the dates, but never mind. Yeah, um, I don't know. There's a thin line between research and stalking, and I think we stalk that line quite well. <laughs> um, so Bad choice of words there. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, they, they don't publicise these things purely because they're private, and I think um, you wouldn't want a, a private gig where the hardcore turn up at the show trying to get in, would you? Well, no, if they're paid, you know, by a, a private corporation, then the corporation doesn't want that. Yeah, it's your your party, your rules. You know, if you didn't invite me to your party, Chris, I wouldn't turn up demanding to be let in. Well, obviously, if you had Keen playing, I might try, but, you know, I would imagine you'd have some kind of bouncers. And 
Yeah, I haven't, I haven't planned it that way. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not that wealthy anyway. I think neither of us are. Who, who says I need money to get keen to my birthday party? <laughs> okay, is this a bet? <laughs> okay. We're, we're kind of going off of the tangent here. But the, the, <laughs> the point is um, that it's eminently possible that there have been a few of these sorts of things over the past few months, just sort of in between. Yeah, I mean, it, did, it does sound a little strange when you first hear of it, but then you sort of wonder, do other bands do this? Because it's not... And they must do. Yeah. It's, I think it's not something that's publicised for, you know, for obvious reasons, but I think it probably goes on a lot more than, than we all realise, and it's just when, in this modern age, where things pop up on YouTube, we really, really see it. Yeah. So I think if you hear of Richard buying a solid gold house anytime soon, then they've probably been playing quite a lot of those sorts of shows. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, it's uh, been pretty quiet. So... So... So, I think they've probably been working on some new music. It's time for an album update, I think. Right. This is what we know. As of October, Tim was openly talking about the writing for the album being halfway there, and that the demos were sounding really, really great. And that was... Sorry, that, that was the tone of voice for inverted commas. I hope you got that. Andrew wasn't making uh, inverted <laughs> commas with his fingers there. With, um, just with my voice. No. So, I mean, that was four or five months ago, and uh, since then, Richard's been tweeting about meeting up with the rest of the band at Tim's studio to play through new songs, which suggests that the material's there, not just in Tim's head, or not just on his laptop, but as it's a band. It's worked through yeah. and, and contributed to. And I think I've said before that they've been playing these new songs for a hell of a long time now. Mm. Um, we kind of lose track of, you know, when you get older, you do lose track of time, don't you? But um, Sovereign Light Cafe was being played, you know, almost 18 months ago now. Um, if you consider that Tim's been writing songs for Keen in the background ever since then, you kind of wonder whether he's being a little bit modest when he says that, oh, the, you know, the songs are halfway there. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he's not usually sort of that outspoken, so it's probably a reasonable estimate, really. Mm. Um, I mean, it's the polar opposite to Perfect Symmetry, really, where we, you know, every move was live blogged, wasn't it? And there were you four know, songs like every day. Animated gifs of Jesse running up and down an escalator. Obviously, that doesn't tell you an awful lot about how Perfect Symmetry ended up sounding. But the fact is that they wanted to sort of constantly engage with the fact that they were recording. And you knew when they were working and when they were having a day off, didn't you? So yeah, this exactly. is this is completely different. I think the, I think the fact that we haven't heard anything doesn't mean that they have done anything. Okay. See. This is a massive leap ahead, a massive leap ahead, and I take this solely on my own, Chris. And you can tell me that, you know, you can tell me what you think of it, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if we found out that the band have been working away on the album throughout the autumn and mm -hmm. at little pieces in between. There's a lot more recorded than we think. Perhaps in New York, around that, that private gig they did. Makes perhaps, sense. Perhaps at the studio that Tim's got the house. You know, it's, it's built for a reason. And actually, the album itself is not as far away as you might think soon like in the next few months soon well i mean it's, it's possible isn't it um i think this was with the pre-production that they've been able to do on this record you know like you said thanks to tim's studio i think it's a lot more than they've been able to do before when they've been on the road and when they've had other commitments writing songs in the back of the bus you know yeah. that sort of thing i think this the quiet approach is something that we uh, you know we saw that a little bit with under the inc but I think the quiet approach was more to do with the turmoil at the time. Whereas this is the first time that they've actually gone away, they've not wanted to say this is happening and this is happening and this is happening, and just sort of gone away and cocooned themselves around their music. And um, I think, coupled with the fact that we know that there are songs up their sleeve, it could mean that potentially there's a surprise in store. 
Yeah, I, you know, anything's possible, really. Being a bit more conservative, though. Yeah, I, I let's, think, let's err on the side of caution. That's yeah, obviously. I think we'll definitely have a new album to listen to by November, I guess. Yeah, probably uh, at the un- latest. Unless they do a massive ab- about turn and, you know, at the last minute decide it's all rubbish and they want to do a, a reggae it funk <laughs> album instead. Or maybe it is a reggae funk album at the moment and they'll decide that actually they might do something a little bit less daring. So yeah, I'd, I'd imagine unless they did throw away a bunch of songs, I'd definitely go along with the fact that we'll have something by the middle of the autumn. Cool. That sounds brilliant. Right. Th- yeah, I, I think also as well, you've got to recognise that the landscape's changed a little bit because, you know, we're used to the... the you, you remember when Hopes and Fears was about to come out, when it was finished, and then there was some touring, and then some more touring, and then the album came out. Whereas this time, you could literally have the album finished, and five days later a lead track is out there for you to purchase on iTunes. That's the label's new policy, actually. Uh, Universal Records, who uh, Keen assigned to, now say that as soon as a track goes on radio, you'll be able to buy it off iTunes. It, it certainly makes so sense, it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think spiralling was kind of, you know, the shape of things to come, really, in, in that sense, and that's how it will actually... That'll be the norm now, going forward. Yeah. Um, should we talk a little bit about the material itself rather than the, you know, the time frame and the business? Because I, I think, do you think that the the reflective nature of the songs that we've heard so far, I think Sovereign Light Cafe and Disconnected, you'd say they're a little bit more wistful. Um, do you think we're looking at a return to the introverted songs of Hopes and Fears? I, I don't know if introverted is the, is the word I'd use, but, um, but uh, yeah, it's a very good question. I think Mount Desolation, the album, uh, had quite a good mix that was sort of reflective of uh, two personalities keen. Um, sort of, you know, that that's, um, exuberance on one hand and then yeah. that quiet retreat. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see that blend on, on the next Keen album, really. Um, another thing with uh, Jesse joining the band is, will he be contributing songs now that he's a full-time member and, and, and writer? Yeah, I mean, of course, you've got to bear in mind now that you've got three songwriters, um, three people who have had published songs released in the last 18 months, mm. um, in Tom, Tim and Jesse. Um, it's not just a case of adding a little bit of musical Im- influence. He could perhaps bring a song to the table. Uh, do you think we could end up with something like the tone of the Mount Desolation record then? Or, but obviously yeah, a mean, bit more I, poppy and direct. I th- yeah, I, I think that's probably a good way of putting it. I mean, I think it'll first and foremost be about the songs because they've had so long to work on it and yeah. it hasn't been influenced by a mood. They've had, it's been more, they've had more time on this, whereas, you know... Perfect Symmetry was about going somewhere and, you know, documenting yeah. a, a short period very closely. Perfect Symmetry was a coming out and trying something new. That sounds bad. Um, you know what I mean? It was about going to Berlin. With, with their new male member. <laughs> and trying something a bit different with some new people. And... I think the Scissor Sisters did that as well, didn't they? Yeah. We, we're, we're sailing into dodgy territory, but you know exactly the point I'm making, mm. that it was about new experience, whereas this is about coming home. And, um, you know, g- uh, coming back to where the band started from, in a sense. They've had this year off at home. They've settled down. There's that theme behind it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, less less sort of exuberance in the style and, and perhaps more about the classic songs. So in that sense, you know, Hopes and Fears wasn't an incredibly stylish album, but it had some, you know, really quality material that Tim had some time to, to work on. And, and this, in that regard, I think that's why it'll be a, an album similar to Hopes and Fears. So, yeah, in summary, album four. Yes, definitely album four. Night Train is not an album, doesn't count, album four. So, close to hopes and fears than Under the Iron Sea or Perfect Symmetry, in your opinion? 
Well, we think so, don't we? We think so. Yeah. Barely started or almost finished? Definitely closer to the end than the start. Coming out this year? Put money on it. An acoustic record? I, th- I think we we doubt that, don't we? I mean, it's uh, wouldn't wouldn't that be amazing though? It kind of defeat the the object of getting another person in, wouldn't it? Yeah. Any any more questions? Um, will it feature the word Quinn? Oh, oh, it had better. Time for us to wrap up this episode, I think. You can keep in touch with us in the gaps between podcasts on our Twitter. You can find us on Beyond INC. Or email us at mailbox at beyondtheinc.com. Now, we'll be back very soon, we hope. Perhaps uh, sooner than we expect. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Andrew. And from me, Chris. See you soon.